0: What have we here? Welcome to another episode of Lando's Lounge. I am uh, (sighs) sitting here in my apartment dreading having to leave to go across campus (laughs) to the editing lab in order to work (laughs) on a project. Oh boy. Um, And I have a free hour or so. Hour and a half maybe. So... We're going to just record this episode. <laughs> um,
1: we just go for it. it doesn't yeah, matter.
0: I mean, fortunately, there is some topics to do an Ugnot update about. There isn't really anything to Tabana talk about. Nor
1: is there time to Tabana talk about.
0: No, not really. Um, you're still reading Master and Apprentice, right? Yeah. So once you finish that, we'll have... That'll be an easy thing we can kind of talk about. Because that's a really good book. So I'd like to kind of discuss that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but right now, um, actually just today, and I think yesterday, these two kind of updates um, like happened. So um, we'll start with the one today because it's kind of a smaller one. Um and this happened, well, I guess it was on Jimmy Kimmel Live or something. Um, but Josh Gad was interviewing Daisy Ridley, and he said something along the lines of, "Was Ray always going to be a Palpatine? And like, did she know her? Did she know Ray's heritage all along?" And so, what Daisy Ridley said was. No, even during the filming of rise of skywalker they were kind of going back and forth about whether or not to make her palpatine's granddaughter um which i saw some people kind of say like oh it's proof that the sequels are terrible and there wasn't a plan and i'm not going to comment too much on about that but i will say that like that happens all the time in movies like things change and Mm -hmm. like rewrites happen all the time so it's not like that side of the story isn't that big a deal to me i don't think it's a story at all i think it's people that have no idea what the process of making a movie like that is or what it entails and so they see something and then think it's something bigger than it actually is um but like i wasn't involved in the production obviously so i I'm not going to talk about that at all because it's not, like, my place to talk about it, and like, I haven't worked on anything that big, (laughs) ever. So, um, yeah, it's not, not for me to say, but to me, it doesn't seem like it's that big a deal. But what was interesting that she said is that throughout the process of making the trilogy, they threw out a lot of ideas, and one of them at one point was for Ray to be the granddaughter of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um I remember when Force Awakens came out, this was a pretty popular theory that I saw and kind of liked. Um however it obviously became like disproven by The Last Jedi and then Rise of Skywalker for sure. Um <laughs> Well we don't...
1: don't know that technically. No.
0: <laughs> so I guess um people have two grandfathers just saying i guess <laughs> um i guess the the news in this is that um just kind of confirming that there wasn't like a specific set plan like before these movies were even made there wasn't an overall blueprint for what was going to happen um and there's pros and cons to that Um, But what are your thoughts on, like, the idea that there could have been Rey Kenobi or there could have been so many different outcomes?
1: Well, um, I'm hearing a little bit of an echo of myself. Is that just through Zoom or would that be the recording? I certainly hope not because that'd be
0: annoying. I (laughs) I can hear you recording from my phone, like your voice is coming out of my phone.
1: Oh, I got you. Okay. So, anyway, my response to this, I guess. I don't really love the idea of Rey Kenobi, to be honest. Um I mean, in the Clone Wars, they do explore a little bit of a a, a romantic type relationship between Obi-Wan and um Duchess Satine, and it's a—it's uh, obviously quite tragic, you know, just how that uh, how that ends up. And there's even a there's even a the uh theory going around that um Duchess Satine's finger quote nephew Corky is actually her and Obi Wan's son because apparently it looks like Obi Wan and acts like Obi Wan a lot of ways. So I don't know, but <laughs> oh. <Or you're...
0: laughs>
1: Yeah, no one does. But, so, um, I feel like I don't think they had a kid. And I feel like, um, it would have been disastrous just to suggest the idea that Kenobi would ever be with a woman that wasn't Satine. Just because, um, one, I don't think he would do that. Be- being a Jedi and all, and although he said that he might have left the order, had she wanted to pursue a relationship, uh, I don't think he would ever kind of be in that position again. So, I never really thought this theory, especially around the time of The Force Awakens, never thought it really held water. And uh just the idea that it was kicking around, I was like, oh boy, like, people have diverse opinions on Rey's lineage and what we actually got in The Rise of Skywalker. And uh, it, for the most part, works for me, I guess. But uh, I just don't know how I would digest the idea of Rey Kenobi actually happening.
0: Yeah. um, Well, I'm just thinking back to Force Awakens. And, like, when she first grabs that lightsaber, she hears the voice of Obi-Wan, both the Alec Guinness version and the Ewan McGregor version. So, to me, it kind of seems like that does make sense. Um, A little bit that, like, they would put that in there to kind of tease out that this might be something that happens, even if they had no idea if it would happen or not. They put it in there like, hey, here's an idea we have. We'll throw this in there. And it can work that way. But also, if we want to just say, like, that was a really powerful Jedi speaking to her in the way that she hears all the Jedi. Not that they have that scene planned or anything either, but Mm -hmm. it's just like she's communicating with the past Jedi through the Force. And just because it's Obi-Wan doesn't mean anything, but it could. Yeah, and I think what happened is people saw that and immediately jumped to, well, it has to be that they're related, whereas it seems like the filmmakers were like, yeah, that's what it could mean, but it doesn't have to mean that. So um, I think I, well, <laughs> I, pr- I prefer Ray Nobody. <laughs> Mm I prefer Rey to not be related to anybody. And we'll get to this once we hit the sequel trilogy in our Star Wars Rewatch series. But Rey not being related to anybody makes the most sense and makes the most thematic sense to me. Uh, So Rey Kenobi... I might like better than Ray Palpatine, but I still would prefer her to be nobody at all.
1: Yeah. Uh, I remember when The Force Awakens came out, and, like, there are just so many theories kicking around of who Ray was. And even from then, I was like, I really don't think she's anybody, you know? Basically, there were some people, as you're well aware, that thought that she might be a Palpatine, but... I I, saw, oh, yeah. I yeah um that was a joke in my mind uh, Yeah,
0: I think it was a joke. <laughs> I had a friend that when The Force Awakens came out, he's like I'm calling it right now, Ray's a Palpatine. And it was completely a joke, but he never let off of it and he always mm-hmm. said he went with oh, the he he committed he com- to the bit. He committed to the joke and then it came true and I was like this is the dumbest thing that's ever happened to me.
1: Yeah. Uh I- I remember the Kenobi theory. I also remember seeing that people were like, "It's obviously Han and Leia's child." I was like, "Well, then, how weird is it that they just leave their daughter on Chew, <laughs> and then they meet her again later?" And she was like, "Yeah, I don't know who my parents are." And they're like, "Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> like, who are those and idiots? Like
0: British?" <laughs> yeah,
1: I I just never. I mean, Princess Leia is kind of British in The New Hope. We not, we don't really know what happened there, but
0: yeah. yeah. So there
1: are just all these theories, and I would most uh, I feel like it's most similar to like Captain America: Civil War or Batman versus Superman when people are like, oh, "Who's gonna win?" And I was like, "Well, it's more nuanced than that. It's not like it's not like an actual war where one person will be the winner." I was like. You know, because. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but in those people... situations, it was more like, well, so, whose ideology do you side with the most? Rather yeah, than so... like, who's going to win in a fight? Yeah.
1: So in this, it was like, well, uh, who is Ray? She has to be someone. And I was like, uh... <laughs> she's Ray, you know? Like, she's not. <laughs> I just kind of assumed. And I. I honestly also assumed that Kylo Ren was not really anyone either. Like I was surprised, although not disenfranchised at all that he turned out to be a solo or anything. So I was just like, it's just like a new character. Like Finn isn't somebody's grandson or something like Poe, isn't someone's grandson. Like the, uh, like these are just characters. I don't know. I always thought that people cared so much about her lineage to be, a little wonky, but, you know, I wasn't completely upset with what we got. I, I mean, out of the other options, I feel like that is the most preferable, to be honest. So, uh I don't know. <laughs> I could probably talk about this for longer than I actually have things to say about it. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, I just... I just remember like the post forced awakens buzz and like everyone wanted to answer every single little thing. Who is Snoke? Who is Ray? Like all this stuff, like where's, what is Luke doing? And it's just, it's just so weird to me looking at that time in retrospect when everyone was so curious and now everyone's just like man it's stupid it's dumb i don't like that mm. or everyone's like i love that what are you talking about so i don't know um ray kenobi wouldn't bother me that much i mean so i saw some people saying like if ray actually was a kenobi then a kenobi would be saving a skywalker from the dark side and there's like a poetic justice to that Mm -hmm. Obi-Wan couldn't bring Anakin back and I was like yeah I like that I, I still kind of just like that this is the Skywalker saga because it's the story of Ben Solo's redemption and Rey just happens to be there and even though she isn't related to anyone in this story like she's brought into this and then she's gonna continue it on yeah um like carrying out carrying on their legacy when they're gone um even though she's not related to any any of it so but it's whatever um so yeah kind of not news at all just kind of an interesting little thing that popped up um the bigger news was yesterday entertainment weekly released um a kind of like spread or article about the Mandalorian season two. And so they released like the first images, um, and some little quotes from the people involved and, um, things like that. Still no trailer. And at this point, I don't care. Don't give me a trailer. Let it just like happen. And we'll see as it goes on. Um, I think they've given us quite a bit without giving us anything. So, like mm-hmm. with this article, I mean, like I don't know if yeah,
1: everything. Yeah, I'm I'm looking. I have it pulled up, so yeah. Uh, I think the intention is to for us to kind of crawl through it here, and I don't point have, out.
0: Uh, um, I just, yeah for recording. So, but like the images show us all the characters and like some new looks and a Tuscan Raider, which is awesome because I love Tuscan
1: mm-hmm. on a bantha.
0: Um. And so it's like, they're not showing us anything big, but they're also telling us, like, subtly, well, we're going to be on Tatooine. Um, mm-hmm. We have, like, Mando on a speeder, on what also looks like Tatooine, and, like, with his jetpack on, and him and Cara Dune and Grief Karga are still together. Maybe it's been a little bit of time, because grief now has like a white beard like yeah a, a, I did a, also notice that um even though I think Pedro Pascal in this article says like it picks up pretty much where they left off so that's interesting mm-hmm. maybe the f- like maybe the first episode happens and then there's like a time skip or something yeah after that I, I don't know because it looks like there's a time jump from the visual like Pictures they've given us, but then there then there's a guy saying, "Yeah, no, we just pick up immediately." So mm-hmm. that's interesting. interesting.
1: Yeah. So um, I have it pulled up. So do you just wanna? I'll kind of crawl through this, and when like kind of hot topics pop up, we'll I'll just I'll just read it for the audience' sake and for your sake. And uh, we'll just kind of discuss it. So the first thing that popped out to me, we've talked on this in various episodes about like a bunch of casting rumors. Um, So this article says, expect the outer rim to get a lot more crowded in season two while Disney has not confirmed any new cast members or their characters. And then it goes on to say like, there's rumored all these different characters like um, Ahsoka Tano Uh, Tamura Morrison, who could either be Boba Fett or a clone trooper or something like that. Uh, Bo-Katan. And then obviously there's some other actors that are coming in as unknown characters. So um, the actress who portrays Cara Dune said some of them are true. Some of them are not true. (laughs) So um, that's something, I guess, because... That means we are seeing likely, if only one of them, we're probably seeing Ahsoka or Boba Fett or Bo Katan or any combination of the three <laughs> You know. So mm-hmm. that's exciting.
0: Um quick question, of those three, if you could only get if you could only get two, which ones would you want? And if you could only get one, which one would you want?
1: If I could get two, I feel like, I mean, I feel like the most likely to appear just based on the fact that Tamura Morrison is basically, like, I feel like it's a question less of if he's cast or not, but who he's cast as, you know? Mm -hmm. So I feel like it's most likely that we see him as Boba Fett, because that's even a little bit um, foreshadowed at the end of episode four, I think it was, of season one. And I also think um, Bo-Katan will likely be seen in this just because I feel like they will explore kind of the history of the Darksaber at that point, which would inevitably bring a Moff Gideon in contact with Bo-Katan. So, uh... I like. I would love if they went in that direction. So I'd probably say I most. I'd rather have those two, that combination of those two, not because I don't want to see Ahsoka, but I feel like um. Bo Katan and Boba Fett have more story that's untold. But uh, I mean Boba Fett especially, <laughs> he has no story told essentially, but. I feel like Ahsoka, if we were given what we're given now, I feel like she her story is told, so.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I I think if we see anybody in this I would like it to be Bo Katan more than anyone else because we get the least of her in canon. Like all we have is her appearances in Rebels and um, the Clone Wars. And I think, A, she's, like, so cool, first of all. Like, a female Mandalorian warrior who's, like, the sister of this peace-loving diplomat. Mm -hmm. But she's kind of the rebel sister who's like, no, I'm not afraid to cap somebody to, like, (laughs) help my planet. Um, Plus, given her history of having the Darksaber and now it's in the hands of Moff Gideon and there's been this event that's known as like the Purge of Mandalore or something like that's the story that I want to see is I want to know what the heck Moff Gideon did to the Mandalorians that they went into hiding they created this new rule where you're not allowed to take your yeah. helmet off and you have to be in hiding. And only one of you can go out at a time. And. Like that's what I want to know. Yeah. And I think the most connected to that story. Is Bo-Katan. And just the fact that she is so cool. Like just adds another layer of like. This could be like the coolest thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if I could get two of those three. I would want. Tamir Morrison as Boba Fett. Um, I'm with you. I don't really care to see live-action Ahsoka yet. Not that I wouldn't ever. But I think the way Rebels ends um, Ahsoka's story, I think, lies in a yeah. the Rebels. Lies Not, not mm-hmm. in this. Um, so... I would love to see Boba Fett because, and this article mentions Timothy Oliphant as an unknown actor, or as an unknown yeah. character. I had heard that he was cast as a guy ugh, and I can't remember his name right now. Um, Frenic, no, not Frenic Shand. That's the other guy. Man, I don't remember his name. Shoot. He appears in this trilogy of books called the aftermath trilogy, which is basically set right after return of the Jedi. And throughout like every three chapters, there's these little short interludes that tell you what's happening outside of like the main story, like all across the galaxy. And one of them is this guy. And I'm so mad at myself for not being able to remember his name. I might just Google this right now, but basically, (laughs) um, what happens is he's the mayor of this town on um, Tatooine. And he's like this rugged sheriff guy who is said to be wearing like this armor. And it's described as like being found by a burnt out Sarlacc core. Uh, carcass by um, Jawas, and
1: oh shoot,
0: it's his name is Cobb Vanth, um, H- Cobb Vanth, and so they never come out and say this is Boba Fett's armor, but he wears around this armor that they say is like green and dented and all beat up and kind of acid burnt from being inside the stomach of the sarlacc, and Jawas found it. And, um, so you're led yeah. to believe this is Boba Fett's armor that this guy found and now is wearing around, not, like, pretending to be Boba Fett, but kind of just being, like, protecting this town, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that, well, that so that's what I heard. Me... I don't know yeah. if that was a rumor or not, because I thought I heard that was a confirmed thing, but maybe it wasn't. This article says unknown. Yeah. So. so I I don't know, but if he well, if he was playing Cobb Vance, I think um because the way that one episode of season one ends, where like the sniper Fennec Shand is just tied up on the on that Tatooine clifftop, and someone walks up wearing spurs just like Boba Fett wore, either Boba F- I thought immediately either that's Boba Fett or after reading these books and seeing some other people talk about it, that could be Cobb Vant kind of like, Hey, why is this sniper outside of my town? Like, yeah, I need to take care of this because his whole thing is like, he's trying to make this community. Um, so I would love to see kind of if Boba Fett survives the Sarlacc, but like his armor, gets left behind because it's damaged or something and now this other guy is parading around in his armor like him going back to get it plus the angle of there's a line in the Clone Wars where like the Prime Minister of Mandalore is like Jango Fett is not a Mandalorian he's just some guy with who stole mm-hmm. Mandalorian armor so kind of exploring if Mandalorian isn't like a race it's a creed like We have Mando, who is, like, in this Mandalorian creed. And we could have um, Bo-Katan, who's kind of, like, a leader in the Mandalorians. And then you have Boba Fett, who's kind of an outsider, but also his armor is, like, directly related to them. So it's, like, an interesting dynamic to explore, is, like, even if you don't, like choose to call yourself Mandalorian isn't Boba Fett everything the Mandalorians are basically mm-hmm. I think all of those puzzle pieces could like fit together really nicely um, and I don't see how Ahsoka fits in as nicely with the rest of the story Yeah, the only exception being like there's an obvious force connection with her and like the child. So just the notion of like the ending of season one, where they were like, yes, there's these warrior monks out there that wield magic. And then he's like, well, we have to go find them and return this child to them. And that could lead to Ahsoka. However, Mm -hmm. I, I am much more interested in the Mandalorian side. And if they answer Like, if they find Ahsoka and just give the child away in Season 2, like, no one's going to come back for Season 3 if you have given the child away. (laughs) Yeah. So, like, I would would be fine seeing Ahsoka eventually, like, at the end of the show, if that's the direction they're going, where they're returning the child to a Jedi and it's Ahsoka. Like, that makes sense. I don't know why they would do that Season 2. So mm-hmm. I would yeah. I would much rather just go the more grounded kind of Mandalorian route that they're kind of setting up with gunslingers and this dying culture and how all that like comes together. So that's where yeah. I
1: Yeah. The Cobb Van angle uh kind of brings two interesting things. One that thematically like, it sounds like it fits with what this show is. Kind of like this space oh, western. Definitely, yeah. The idea of introducing, like, a sheriff-type character, definitely, um... <laughs> I mean, it just seems like something they would do. It seems very appropriate. And secondly, if he were to be in the show as that character and he was sporting Boba Fett's old armor, that means we might get a new drippy version of Boba Fett. Like, imagine if he had, like, a...
0: Like some new armor or something? Or like an old one. Like one similar to the one he wore in the Clone Wars before he... Like Mm -hmm. the Young Boba Fett wore. That would be interesting as well.
1: Yeah, but... I mean... We'll see. We'll we'll definitely see.
0: But yeah, I I would definitely love to see Bo-Katan more than anybody. Even if it's just a flashback of Moff Gideon kind of destroying all of mandalore and like fighting her i think that'd be really cool Mm-hmm. yeah so
1: moving on uh the next paragraph says uh while the first season's episodes very strictly focused on mando season two adds new storytelling angles and um John Favreau uh, talked about Game of Thrones and how that follows many different characters and different storylines. And he said um, that really appeals to him and that's an opportunity they've capitalized on in season two. So uh, that is one thing I kind of wanted the most of, I guess, because and that's how shows typically go like the first season, like um They're figuring out what the show is, so it's very linear. But as a show naturally grows on, there are different and more characters introduced. Like, that's kind of the natural progression of it. And I just thought it was something that Mandalorian would do very well. So, um, kind of confirmation on that is reassuring.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I like this. This
1: will be more sprawling, I guess.
0: Yeah, especially if they, like the paragraph before this, talk about they are going to be bringing some of these characters we've heard about into the show. Um, Now, I should have clarified, when I said I would rather see Bo-Katan and Boba Fett, I definitely think the likeliest one that we're going to see is Ahsoka, whether I like that or not. Just because that's like the one that's been reported on the longest which doesn't mean anything but like it's the one that it was like the first one and then people kept like reporting like yeah we have new information that this is like a thing that's happening and we got information that like this is a type of scene they filmed with her so I think that one like Mm -hmm. I think Ahsoka will probably happen whether or not I like it which I kind of don't like it if I'm being honest but I would rather these other characters um, and if they're taking a route filming like this it would be so like it would make more sense to have one episode focused on the Mandalorian and Cara Dune and Greek Karga and the child and then the next episode do a flashback story that's Moff Gideon versus Bo-Katea yeah at the purge of Mandalore. And then another episode that's, you know, like, the Mandalorian runs into Cobb Vanth or whatever. And then we get, like, an episode of Cobb Vanth's story, like, a a flashback of him, like, doing whatever he's involved in. So, like, I think that makes a lot more sense. And I think to just have a random episode with Ahsoka, where Mm -hmm. she's, like, the star of it, would just feel so disjointed from this show that's about, like, gunslinging cowboys in space to then have like a space wizard episode that i I just (laughs) that would be weird if this is the style of filming they're doing um i like the idea of doing it that way because i like it's kind of more anthological in like how the clone wars is where you have Four episodes that are one story, and then four episodes that are a completely different story with different characters. And obviously, this would be on a smaller scale because it's only eight episodes. But like that kind of each episode is kind yeah. of a fresh new thing,
1: yeah. So, um, yeah, just kind of about the this scope as well. Um, they said that. You know, the first season and, um, like, obviously a lot of budget is allotted to actually starting up the show. And um, I imagine a lot of money was spent on, like, the sound and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But um, they said that because of it going into season two, it being highly successful in its first season, like, that's why they're, like, scoping it up. Like, they have... It's already a ridiculously... Highly budgeted show. <laughs> um, so, I mean, they're basically saying, like, if you thought season one was big, which obviously was technologically groundbreaking, like, we can only imagine what season two will be like. <laughs> like, it's probably going to be nuts. But, um, it also confirms that season two will be eight episodes long, just like season one. But, um, interestingly enough, John Favreau said, there's probably even variation in episode lengths this year. So whatever that means, like maybe the first and the final episode will be more like closer to the hour mark. And then the episodes in between are like the more 40 to 45 minutes. Like, I don't know what that.
0: Yeah. My immediate reaction is like, Oh no, I hope there's not like a thirty-four minute episode and then Yeah. We just it feels like we get less than normal.
1: Yeah, um I imagine if they were to do anything they'd probably just make longer like a a longer episode or maybe two, but I don't know. <laughs> like yeah. I I don't I love how he says there's probably like as if he doesn't know. <laughs>
0: Like, they, I
1: don't know. Yeah, it, I well, mean, it all obviously on... Obviously, in post-production, like...
0: It all depends on the cut, I guess.
1: Yeah, but I'm sure they have an idea. But, <laughs> um... Anyhow, it also talks about some directors, because each individual episode will, like, have... It's not, like, one director throughout the entire show.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: season one wasn't like that either, so... Um, some of the directors, Rick Famuyiwa, if I'm pronouncing that right, oh, he yeah. was one of he was one of the directors in season one.
0: Yeah, he did the I th- I think he did episode two, the one with the mud horn. Yeah, and yeah, he that also right. did um the Bill Burr episode, <laughs> mm-hmm. which was one of my favorites, just because Bill Burr was in it.
1: Yeah. Um, Carl Weathers, who plays Grief Carga, he's also directing an episode. I'm excited and... for
0: that, because I didn't know he directed anything. Yeah. And maybe he hasn't before, but... Any time that, like, an actor gets to kind of direct themselves, if he's, in this, if he's in the episode that he's in, or that he's directing, will be interesting, just because, like, mm-hmm. he's kind of in charge, so... Yeah,
1: this is the grief episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, hold all, on about yeah. that.
0: I, I forget where I heard this, but a, a pair, supposedly, Grief Karga has a really tragic backstory, but we didn't get any of it in season one. So maybe there is a Grief Karga episode in season oh, two. That's about, like, his life... Like, he used to be really up up at the top of, like the stock market or whatever maybe he's a businessman and then everything fell apart and everything bad happened to him maybe we get that episode <laughs> uh
1: yeah that'd be that'd be weird um, <laughs> that would be weird another another director coming in is robert rodriguez which we're both very excited i'm about. <laughs> very
0: very excited for robert rodriguez alita battle angel was actually like one of my favorite movies that i have seen in a theater and like mm-hmm several years because it was
1: it's my favorite
0: movie i've seen on a plane i tell you that much (laughs) (laughs) it was like i went into it thinking like oh yeah the trailer looked cool and then had no expectations at all and it was just like the most wild like most fun movie i've ever watched Mm -hmm. because i didn't have any idea what was gonna happen So I'm really excited for him. I like a lot of his other work as well. Spy Kids is like my jam. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But he's also done like some of that western kind of vibe before with the, like the Once Upon a Time in Mexico and Desperado and I forget what the other one is called in that trilogy. Like yeah. El Mariachi or something like that. I don't huh? remember. I haven't seen any of them, but I've want like I've seen them in like the FYE DVD rack and like wanted to buy them, but like always ended up choosing something else. You t- yeah. Um but yeah, excited for him. Mhm. Weirdly, I thought like it was confirmed that Peyton Reed was also a director who did Ant-Man um so yeah i'm pretty sure i saw that somewhere here, too I, i'm pretty sure that was confirmed
1: that yeah Peyton just because it's not i mean it says among others like it doesn't this article doesn't give a comprehensive list of every director so i'm yeah. sure but um the other one it mentions is John Favreau is actually directing an episode. Oh, and rather I think
0: than, Dave Filoni probably is directing as well.
1: Yeah, so rather than just being like the creative heads, like they're actually they're yeah. hopping right I in think there. Which, did I mean, I'm sure last time I'm too. sure it'll be iconic. I don't know. Would this be Dave Filoni's
0: live action directorial
1: debut?
0: No, because he did episode 1 and episode 5 of season 1. Oh, did he? Yeah, he did the the first episode, um, and the fifth one was the one that had like the Tatooine stuff, mm-hmm. which is why again why like I think we know we're going back to Tatooine. We know that Dave Filoni himself did the Tatooine episode in season one. So. And that's where kind of the mysterious Boba Fett slash maybe Cobb yeah. figure was. That's why I think we're going to see that story so much is because not only did they do it in season one, but it was Filoni, one of like the top guys on the show, specifically did that episode. So I think that yeah. episode is going to be very important um, to the season two Um mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm pretty sure he's back because later on they talk about George Lucas visiting set and kind of like messing around with Dave Filoni and being like, oh man, you you got to move faster <laughs> and like making fun of how many setups he gets through in a day and things like that. So it sounds like Filoni and Peyton Reed are also back, just not mentioned in this list.
1: Yeah. So um, I'm just read while, while you're kind of talking, I'm skimming to find the next talking point, And I think I'm going to end up reading two whole paragraphs because this is awesome. <laughs> uh, so just kind of.
0: Is it the Gideon stuff? Cause I'm...
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> so kind of changing course here. I'm just going to read this because it's loaded. So says, Mando and the child are pursued by Gideon, who will serve as a source of temptation in the classic tradition of Star Wars villains trying to lure heroes down darker paths. Uh, I'll be going toe-to-toe with Mando, says Esposito. Um, It's an iconic battle. I want to disarm him mentally as well. Who knows, maybe there's an opportunity to get him to fight some battles for me. You may think I'm a villain... But I'm trying to harness some energy and some powers for a path that could be best for all. You'll get to see him be somewhat diplomatic and more of a manipulator. And that is his quote. And as for the Darksaber, in the new episodes, Gideon demonstrates he's quite adept at wielding it. Um, it's so exciting for me to be in a show where I can wear a cape and own it. And where I can have a lightsaber and really own it. Um, And then it says, says Esposito 62, who will also command a larger vehicle, in quotes, hint, hint, and spend some one-on-one time with the child. (laughs) So that's a lot. (laughs) So yeah,
0: um, season one, like, I knew that he was cast as a character called Moff Gideon, and he didn't appear until episode seven and it was kind of um this other imperial guy the client played by Werner Herzog who was like the big villain until Moff Gideon just came in and absolutely stomped him out of the way yeah so first of all i find it weird that he got an emmy or he got an emmy nomination for two episodes even though he's really great especially at villains like if if Giancarlo Esposito's career is anything it's like amazing TV villains because he did mm-hmm. Gus Spring, he did now Moff Gideon and I'm sure season two is going to have a lot more of him yeah and he's like kind of the quote unquote main villain or not maybe like the main villain but he's definitely like a powerful figure on the villainous side of the show, the boys on Amazon prime. Um, And he does really good work in that as well. So it's like this guy knows how to play a compelling villain who's not necessarily all about fighting, but like Mm -hmm. he can attack you with words and like strategy and like manipulation is what he says here. So that that'll be interesting to see more of him doing that cuz he's so good at it, but also he's going to be having a lightsaber fight at some point. And this is another thing I've been seeing is like is he fighting against Ahsoka? Maybe I would much rather see him fight Mando or Bo-Katan. Because, you know, in the Clone Wars, we have, like, Obi-Wan versus Pre-Vizsla. And, like, Pre-Vizsla versus other people. Mm-hmm. And he can, like... He's... Like, Pre-Vizsla doesn't have Force abilities. Or probably, like, any real training with the Darksaber. saber, But yeah. he can still use it as, like, a weapon. So it'd be cool to see... Gideon fighting someone with a lightsaber against somebody who doesn't have a lightsaber? Like, how do you... Mm Because he would automatically have the edge when it comes to, like, the firepower, quote-unquote, because he could just cut through anything.
1: Yeah. or Um, Is... I mean... Is Beskar affected by lightsabers? Well,
0: you see it, like, deflect That's sniper bolt, or you see it deflect laser bolts and stuff, but, like, I'm sure it's a thing, or I'm pretty sure it would be a thing where it's, like, yeah, uh, it might, like, deflect some blasters off of it, but, like, if you plunge a lightsaber into it, it's not just mm-hmm. going to bounce off or anything, like the Zillow. Yeah. Um. Like, I'm sure it could do damage, just not, like, as much. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I'm excited for him. What do you think the larger vehicle, hint, hint, is?
1: See, that's the thing. Um, I think maybe, I mean, obviously, my first thought is an AT-AT, because that's how you say it, but... An (laughs) AT-AT? Yeah, sure, whatever. But, um, because that, I feel like that's one the most iconic kind of imperial vehicle. But, uh, that might be too scaled up. Like, I don't, that might be too big for just kind of, because if it's like a crumbling empire, like, how does he get one of the, the one of the, AT-AT walkers and how does he also get the massive ship that's required to transport it if like the Empire isn't around so I don't know I feel like it's more likely to be like well not more likely but it makes more sense for it to be like an ATST, like one of the chicken walkers but we saw that already in season one so I feel like that wouldn't carry any brevity with it or anything like it wouldn't be serious or foreboding or anything so you know? You see, unless it's unless it's some kind of I don't know. I really don't know. Probably see, an
0: ATATO. The thing is I think you're thinking way too small. I think what <laughs> I, think, I think the smallest thing that he's referring to here would be an ad at. I think the most likely thing is he has a star destroyer. And I think that's kind of his base of operations. Because we've seen him have all these troops and he flies in on a TIE fighter. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure he's got to be working out of kind of one of the last remaining Star Destroyers. Yeah, that'd be cool. And if you even look at the picture, you can see him standing and he's in focus and like behind him way out of focus because all you can see is like the bokeh of the lights is he's in some kind of Imperial something because the light color scheme everything like it it looks like he's inside of this big thing so i think either he's in an ad at like on a planet or he's in a star destroyer maybe both like he could be working out of a star destroyer but right now he's Like, maybe, because, what's the exact line? He says, um, who will also command a larger vehicle. So, maybe the Star Destroyer is just, like, it's less of, like, a thing that he's flying around. And more, like, we have this thing parked out here in the middle of, like, dead space. And from that, we'll, like, leave and go places in other vehicles. But we're not going to parade around in this Star Destroyer. So when he says he's in command of a larger vehicle, I think maybe that could be, like, he takes an AT-AT out to kind of storm this town or something um, where Mando's hiding or something, but he's not really commanding the Star Destroyer, but he could still be in it. Like, I I think it'd be cool to see both, but I think definitely either one of those or maybe some new thing, I don't know, but I think Mm -hmm. it's it's light like he could be I think it's either one of those, a Star Destroyer or an Adat or both. Maybe both. Um I definitely don't think it's an ATST because we already saw one of those. So he I don't think he'd make it that big a deal if they yeah. already had one. Ooh, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> um but also him him spending one on one time with the child is frightening. Mhm. Cuz we... <laughs> all right, so here's my question. And all right, so the carbon phrase we were going to do was going to be like about methylchlorians. So I guess we can just get to that now and kind of conclude this discussion. Just with... be mindful of our time. Um because obviously the client Werner Herzog took baby yoda for something and that scientist was doing something to baby yoda and they never explain it and so here he's talking about confronting baby yoda one-on-one so either he gets baby yoda or like well I don't know if there's any other way to explain that. Like, Well, I mean, of baby, the yep. fact that
1: I feel like he was, like, uh, in Giancarlo Esposito's little spiel, his little spread, he said that he's not, like, obviously I'd say he's the villain of the story, but he was, like, giving it a new perspective. He was, like, it's not like I just go around fighting them all the time. Like, it said he tries to tempt them, and he, like, you see them as more of, like, a, a bargainer so like maybe for some reason kind of this this motive surrounding Baby Yoda maybe for a time um, their forces kind of have like an uneasy alliance like our, our ragtag band and some of the Imperials to uh, f- like focus around Baby Yoda or something and I can't imagine that would stay I imagine that would fall apart but like I mean, that could be just a second perspective on it, but continue.
0: Um, but yeah, so I s- had seen the theory that like the client was pretty much like studying or trying to clone Baby Yoda or clone the midi chlorians. And there's a line in here where Esposito talks about like messing with powers or like an energy. So do you think that that is something that they'll explore like do you think they're like do you think he's trying to gain this like gain possession of like midichlorians or like force powers because in other interviews he's talked about being a literally i think the words he said were descendant of vader and <laughs> people were like well He's not no. Luke or Leia, so that doesn't make sense. And then other people were like, "Well, yeah, but like, he could mean like the lineage of like this armored villain," or some people were even like, "Maybe he was an inquisitor and he like has the force, and so that's what he means. Like he's kind of like a follower of Darth Vader." Um, and so the fact that he has a lightsaber and he's messing with quote unquote. Energies and powers, and is confronting the baby. Seems like <laughs> the baby.
1: <laughs> it seems like
0: there's just a lot of weirdness about the force that's just ever so slightly being touched here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. If anything, I think this has hyped me up just as much as a trailer would, because a trailer would just show us clips out of context but here we can kind of hear from the mouths of people things even though it's obviously still not completely in context or anything but like hearing words that they intentionally are saying rather than kind of putting these out here and then we have to assume yeah like what the what that cut of the events is hinting at this is in ways almost more exciting than what a trailer would be. Yeah.
1: Um, I mean, it seems like they're holding things very close to the chest. Like, I think... uh, uh Gosh, uh, uh, something... Gina Carano, or... I don't know if I pronounced that right. She said that um, actors were, like, cloaked and blindfolded walking out to and from sets because maybe if someone was... An actor was coming in Like, they were holding their secrets very close to the chest. And um, interestingly enough, it said characters who weren't in an episode were not given a script for that episode. So that tells us two things. One, like, what we might consider the core characters, some of them may not appear every episode. And secondly, like, kind of like how they hid the Vader reveal from most of the actors. Well, they hid it from all of the actors. I read just the other day that like they recorded a couple different lines for like the big twist. So I think the original twist that all the actors, including Mark Hamill thought was that Obi-Wan killed Luke's father. But then like before the premiere, like George Lucas told, cause I mean, James Earl Jones just did the voiceover and it was added in later. And George Lucas told Mark Hamill, he was the only one to know before seeing it at the premiere. He's like, this is what actually happened. So I feel like there's some, like there's going to be a lot of big moments in this that they're hiding from even the, the actors. And um, I think Gina also said like, um, like everyone's very sure that this will be like the most, like this will be far more successful than the first one. And she said like, it'll show you things that star Wars fans have always wanted to see. So that's exciting.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, It's funny you bring up that connection to Empire Strikes Back because this article ends with a quote from Dave Filoni who says, you want the Empire Strikes Back to be better than A New Hope. Yeah. So the fact that he is drawing this parallel between season one and season two of the show to A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back is like the most exciting thing ever because like with every Mm -hmm. Star Wars trilogy that's come out the second one is always the one that gets critiqued the most I think because people like this has to be the Empire Strikes Back that's why Mm -hmm. so many people would rank Attack of the Clones as the worst or The Last Jedi as the worst Star Wars movie because they're critiquing those movies against what they consider the best and so I'm I have faith in them that they made Season 2 better because it seems like this team behind it is like the dream team. But again, it is going to kind of face that critique of it has to be better than Season 1. And if it's different at all, I think people are going to be like, eh, it's not my Mandalorian. Which Mm -hmm. sucks, but I, 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 I definitely think... It'll be good. Like, I, 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 there's no yeah. way that I can see this being terrible. Yeah. Um,
1: no, I think it'll be, I think it'll surpass season one. And apparently, so does John Favreau because when they asked him about, like, is he worried about meeting expectations of season one, he was like, well, it, this isn't a quote or anything, but they said he didn't seem worried at all. And he mm-hmm. was like, I think the fans will really like this. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. That's reassuring and, I mean, that's how I felt about it. This whole, this whole crazy path following Mandalorian season two, and in about a month and a half's time, we'll have so much content to talk about. Oh yeah.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, that about wraps up this episode. Um, I highly recommend reading through the Entertainment Weekly article. Um, we kind of hit some of the big stuff, but there are some little gems throughout that we didn't get to um especially seeing like the photos and things so uh check that out um when the mandalorian starts coming out we're going to try to do reviews every week but um until then uh we'll be here talking about whatever we Mm. can find so um thanks for listening thank you for listening to lando's lounge Lando's Lounge can be found
1: on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and more.
0: If you enjoyed this episode, consider sharing us with a friend or rating us five stars on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts.
1: To engage with us on social media, follow at Lando's Lounge Podcast on Instagram and like and follow the Lando's Lounge page on
0: Facebook. To ask a question for our Q&A segment, The Carbon Freeze, Engage with us in comment sections or shoot us a DM for the possibility of your question being featured.
1: The intro music to this podcast is Star Wars Cantina Band Closed
0: on Sunday Lo-Fi Remix. Thank you again for listening and tune in to the next episode.